Welcome back to Post Show Recap coverage of The Crown. We're chatting about season five, episode four, A New Horribilis. My name is Grace. I'm here with my co-host Shannon. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I love this episode. I thought it wasn't horribilis at all. <laughs> uh, yes. And I also want to start using the word horribilis in horribilis. just like everyday conversation. I, I, I think that's what I'm, I'm going to start doing. Yeah, the biggest... The biggest thing for me in this episode is that, like, Elizabeth, like, they do the thing at the beginning where it's, like, they do the, like, she's going to do the thing, and then they flash back to see why she does the thing. Um, and, and it's all, like, no, this will be bad for, like, our reputation. Like, no, the, the queen can't look unhappy. Um, when actually it's just, like, you really, you, no, 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 does anybody know Anus Horribilis? I think that's the bigger, like, question. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they even pointed out that, like, it's not even about what you're saying. It's, like, why are you speaking Latin? Yeah. Uh, because that's what she had to be educated in instead of important. I mean, she was doing, as they said, what did they say, constitutional history while Margaret yes. was learning the piano. But as we know, neither of them got the education that they should have. And that's why we use Aladdin when we need to, because that was the way that we were educated in the 40s. So I do like that, Margaret. It's like she learned, like she was doing constitutional history. And it's like, there's literally a whole episode where like, it was like, I feel like I didn't get educated well. Can, <laughs> yeah. you, can I hire a tutor? I'm going to hire a tutor, I think. Yeah. yeah. Margaret um, got even less education than the entire episode on how the Queen didn't get educated thoroughly enough. So, but a Margaret episode, I, I thought it was, yeah, I, my favorite episode of the season. Like, I truly loved it. I cried multiple times. It was yeah. just a great episode. I thought it was really good as well. I think, yeah, it's, um, you know, about Princess Margaret. She gets this letter from Peter Townsend. They're going to re, uh, they're going to reconnect uh, in a way. Um, and it's like all of the Queen's children are having marital problems. And like, somehow I'm both like, boy, that doesn't look great for Elizabeth. And also, like, I feel kind of bad for Elizabeth <laughs> somehow uh, that like all of her children are like, can we get divorced? And she's like, no, we've been over this. You're not allowed to have a divorce. Uh, I'm the head of this. I'm the head of the church. Please. No. Yeah. Yeah. I told yeah. you so many times, like yeah. especially not a divorce and everyone wants a divorce. I mean, for, for them, from the kids perspective, I felt like it was very much a spiritual sequel to the season four episode with the, with like when she speaks to all her kids about the oh, issue. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes so much sense as well, because in that episode, she goes to them. She's like, let's see how they're doing. They're doing terribly. She adjusts nothing. And then like that runs its <laughs> inevitable course to here where they're like, yeah, it's crashed and burned. And she's like, how did this happen? I think she actually has a line where she says like, how did it come to this? And I actually yeah. laughed out loud. It's like, all yeah. right, all that stuff you did. And then you knew it was happening and you still did not like avert the trains. And now yeah. you're so surprised and confused. Like I found it genuinely comical. <laughs> Yes, uh, I guess I guess Anne has already divorced and she's going to marry someone else. Who? But then that's Margaret's like whole like, how the heck does she get to marry this man? Uh, yeah. So yeah, this is a uh, yeah. And then the fire and so yeah, it is this like the end oh, of nineteen ninety two? It was horribleist, horribleist. Horribleist. <laughs> I already screwed it up. It was a horribleist year. Yeah. I've been very worried about saying the episode title. Of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know how I only do the latter half? <laughs> yeah, so it was Uh yeah. Before we chat further about the episode, don't forget to, to subscribe at pushrecaps.com slash the crown. You can get all of our episode uh, coverage and uh, rate and review. It'd be much appreciated. Uh, so other people can find our coverage as well. Um, where do you want to start? I mean, the, yeah, Margaret, it's a Margaret episode, uh, really. Um, were you excited that Peter Townsend is like showing back oh. up here? Like oh in 92? Yeah. Real tears, real tears. I mean, it was like the notebook, but more tragic in 40 years instead of seven. And also very letter-based, which was, it yeah. was so romantic, the handwritten letters of it all. I never get enough handwritten letters, but not to, like, you know, all right, you criticize are. my husband on this podcast. Yeah. Um, I love the framing of Margaret 
to talk about the divorce episode because when you think about 1992 being the year that was horrible <laughs> again that's where I'm <laughs> gonna go about it um you would think that it would be more about what we see when like the kids are coming to her and telling her like the kids being 50 to 40 year old people but the, you know the kids coming and saying how they want to get divorced but instead by framing it around Margaret I think it becomes like a really necessary tribute to everything like she's had to sacrifice to break into the modernity that Charles talks about like if it weren't for her and her sacrifices and and like her support we see with Anne as well, none of this could even happen to the next generation being freed from these terrible situations. Um, so she you know she she also represents some of the larger themes about like the system as they talk about like non subtly but the, the system really like stamping out any of the, like a person with spark or spirit or uniqueness. But I think mostly it's just like the reason it could even get to this point where, which is a horrible thing for the queen, but a better thing in reality, which is that you don't get trapped into lifelong marriages because you have to, even if they're horrible situations, is because of everything that she's been through. So I thought that framing it with that, especially knowing the truth, which is that she like reconnected with Peter probably in a less romantic way. And there probably wasn't this like fictionalized kiss, but they did have a last meeting right before he died in 1992 and he died in 1995. So knowing like the timeline of that and the time frame of that for real, um, I think it made a lot of sense to kind of use Margaret as the framing of that. And then I thought it also had like some amazing character moments for Elizabeth. So I, I really love so much of the storytelling of this episode. Yeah, I think um, it'd be interesting to see because Margaret, yeah, Margaret is such like um, been, yeah, given up so, so much like, uh, you know, uh, not, and I love, I love um, the monologue at the end of the episode when, when she's going through who could have burned down uh, Windsor mm -hmm. Castle and uh, she's running through the options. Could it be, could it be Andrew? Could it be Diana or could it be me? Uh, and then laying out like her argument. Yeah, yeah, it's so fun. It's such like a Margaret, like it's mm -hmm. like done with like flamboyance and like, mm -hmm. but then it gets so real so quickly. And when she's pointing out that like, yeah, you know, now Anne wants to marry um, this man and like Anne is divorced and like, you know, the, the, the only differences in our story is that she's going to get to marry uh, this man. Um, and, and I, and I wasn't, and I feel like there's a little bit in that, that feels like, gosh, it's like a little bit of like, um, you know, well, you know, I got my student loan debt. <laughs> I think we've really referenced <laughs> this thing a million times. I didn't really get the sense totally that that's what she's saying of like, don't let Anne marry this. But she's no. like, why does Anne get to? Why yeah. Why have you changed now? Uh, it's so frustrating that you've changed now all of these years later. Um, and, and she storms off. But then we also get, so then we get Elizabeth being like, you know, in the news horribilis like speech she is saying like i do want to like recognize that like everybody around me has sacrificed like as much for me then they have this phone call and i love the phone call between them um because this is kind of this is what it's like i think some, sometimes having a sibling uh some of my siblings this is what it's like where you're like you get in an argument with them and then you're like yeah i don't mind you you know you're not bad like um <laughs> the fact at the end when they're like oh i love you and she's like i love you too and she's like wow that was such so middle class of us we'll never do that again huh <laughs> they're yeah. like embarrassed that they said i love you to each other um it's just like i don't know there's so much in it for as much as as much like crap i give the show sometimes for having like incredibly on the nose writing or like Another clunky writing, writing. I thought this writing, yeah, this episode, the, the way this episode is written was really, really strong. Really good. Yeah. Oh, I loved it so much. I genuinely loved this episode. Yeah, more than like more than any other episode this season because it really did develop the characters. And I'd love to talk it through from Margaret and Elizabeth's perspectives individually because I think it was a big episode for them both. I think for Margaret, she's not saying don't let Anne 
marry. She's not. Is it Tim? Tom? Uh, I should know. I'm, I'm being like the queen. Who is he even like? <laughs> I, think uh, I think it's Tim. But yeah, she, yeah so she, she's Tim. not saying that. She the equerry. Yeah. yeah, she even says to Anne, fight for him. You know, right. she's, she's leading. I think we see that difference. I mean, I know it's Elia when you're not the sovereign, but like the fact that all the Margaret cares about when she speaks to Anne, like, are you look happy? Are you in love? Like, you know, and it's, it's so pure. Whereas with Elizabeth, it's like, I know he makes you happy, but I'm glad you found happiness, but, you know, it, it doesn't come before your duty in, the, in this way. And I know that you're in very different roles, but I thought that contrast was quite stark. Um, so she's not saying that. I think like it would be very, very hard for Margaret to see such a similar situation play out to a totally different result. And we could definitely talk about why that is. But I think what this episode highlighted for me is like how wronged Margaret has been. And I know we've spoken about that with season one and we know that she was wrong, but I think it gets a little caught up in the fact that like the queen was struggling in her own right in this new role and she was so alone and she was so overwhelmed and she was being pushed in this way and it wasn't really her fault either and then like margaret can also be like pretty reckless pretty selfish like she could have chosen to be with peter but it was a hard choice it was between like all her royal privileges and the love of her life and i really wish and i bet she wishes she'd made a different decision in that um, and then i guess like it was but, also paired with Claire's charm without that i'm like wow margaret was really in a bad position here like she was really wronged well, um, but the the like she is told she can go with Peter Townsend, but she has to like give up all of her yeah. So it's a hard decision. Titles. I yeah. I, th I think that like in hindsight, it would have been a better life to run away with the love of your life. I mean, would Edward have have said he made the yeah. wrong decision? I don't think so. Right. He, right. he and he he struggled with it clearly throughout his whole life. That he and he gave up literally being the king, let alone just being a royal. True. But I don't think that if you could ask Edward now from beyond the grave, like was that a wrong decision? Like. It, Wallace Simpson was his person like he, he chose that mm -hmm. way and I think there might have been like moments of regret or what could have been but it felt like by and large it wasn't really like it was it was something he regretted in ways but something he probably would have done again and I and I don't mm -hmm. know that Margaret would have made the same decision with like different priorities and like the wisdom of 40 years to say to think like I, like nothing could be more important really than your person and like she mm -hmm. she states that so well that and for Margaret specifically like to get someone who would have been like real stability for her I think would have been really really important so i think to go back to that in this episode and see like how clearly she was wronged and even if you don't blame that version of the queen who was in over her head um whoever was at fault like an objective wrong was committed against yes. Margaret. and even like if the queen says it was as as queen not your sister we've said the same thing we, we've said there was that complexity there but in so many ways it doesn't matter so you own it. Like you, there are ways to right. be like, there was nothing I could do, but I acknowledge it. And we'll talk about the queen's evolution through this episode, but she's still dismissive early on. She's still judgmental, even in not allowing it to go through and having those pressures, she could still be kind in it. She could still acknowledge it. And I feel like this episode was her journey 40 years later to realizing that even if, even if, you know, as a victim of the system, as a fellow victim of the system, she still is a representative of it. She still has a part to play and there's still things to be acknowledged and to be kind about. And that's where she gets to at the end of the episode. I think um, it's the Townsend stuff is when, when they say, no, you have to wait until you're old enough. And then it's like, once she's old enough, they're like, oh, but actually like parliament will yeah. never allow it to happen. She was really so, wrong in that. Yeah. She's, she's so screwed over. And I feel like in a sense, Elizabeth was uh, uh, as well, but I think you're right. Like she, she almost like tries to pretend that, well, yeah, it's like the system that messed it up, but also like, it's probably for the better anyway. Right. Yeah. There's so much of like, I think like when you are 
the monarch of like you know it's you did, we were talking about like religion last episode that it's a little bit like well i guess that's how it has to be because like otherwise like you know i'm i'm you know i'm not god's chosen representative uh on, on earth like you know you can just like get yourself into a mindset that's like well okay that you know okay that's probably right like that's the right thing to do i know i screwed over margaret but like maybe not really and even at the beginning of this episode when margaret says that peter townsend is in town and mm. she's like well like you know what a fling that would have been you know i don't know if that would have been the right choice and Margaret's like, yeah what the hell like maybe it would have been maybe that was the the thing that would have been you know my best it my was. happiest life yeah it was the love of her life yeah like, how could, yeah um very fun to see timothy dalton uh known as uh, james uh, james bond uh uh as well as i cannot see him at anything other than the bad guy from hot fuzz uh he's the grocery store owner have you ever seen hot fuzz shannon no one of my favorite movies see him as peter townsend as peter townsend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. uh, so very fun Timothy. that's like a, i feel like it's like a yeah it's a, a fun name for for uh to come play uh the one appearance of peter townsend uh a late in life but um yeah him writing the letter him learning that he's sick and again the writing in this episode that was really good when they are walking uh and chatting and he's like i just wanted to know if i was like a fleeting moment in your life or like were we sort of meant to be and i was like oh god that's so friggin good like yeah so you like as you're dying like were we in love? Were we for real in love? Could it have been a thing? And we were just like screwed over and they kissed. They never really say yes. You know, I think, yes. I think it's implied. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was, that was the love of her life. And I think I mean, that scene between, I mean, the scene, all the scenes between Elizabeth and Margaret are so great in this episode. And so many of my favorite episodes are about their sibling dynamic. And this is mm -hmm. now definitely one of them where I feel like they're seen early on. Um, where Elizabeth is still so judgmental about the Margaret and Peter. Like, even to this day, it's like, well, he was married. It's like, oh, he's still talking about this, Elizabeth. That was decades ago. Like, let it be. And I love how Margaret is just completely ignoring her and just getting lost in, like, her memories. And then Breezley is like, I think I will meet him. What's yeah. it to you? In a way where, like, what's it to you? Like, the Queen of Kelly is so bothered by every single part of it. But I think that, like, that showed to me that I think she's being super judgmental to externalize the guilt of what she feels because there's nowhere for those feelings to go of knowing that she at least was part of this like very wrong thing that was done to Margaret. Um, and so like, she like is, is, is looking down on that. But I think that the journey of this episode shows like why she has to be so kind of absolute in the way she thinks about things and isn't allowed the complexity of such complex situations because as like the queen mother pushes to her like you're meant to be this godlike thing who can't be who can't have humility who can't apologize whereas like the whole thing is so nuanced and it should have been looked at through the last decades in this nuanced way which is like you're my sister I loved you I tried I wanted it to work well it clearly didn't wrongs were perpetuated against you I was part of that it was hard for me too but like I'll always be sorry for the part I played in that but she can't have that complexity so instead she kind of boxes it into being like you know, it wouldn't have been right or like that's how she's handled it for decades and like her part in this thing. And I think it became like such an interesting notion on like the power of apologies at all, you know, and, and like the, yeah. the journey she goes on with that, the power of like acknowledging wrongdoing or like the difficulties in that, like the transparency around that is such a powerful and excellent thing that I feel like I've learned in the last few years as well. And she hasn't been allowed to learn it. And when she does, like she becomes a better, freer, more powerful person than before when she refuse to acknowledge her part i was thinking if i was a queen i would spend all day apologizing because you have to do so many <laughs> yeah. wrong things because like even even like as it gets further on where it becomes a little cruel before that we kept acknowledging this is hard it's complex but like it still sucks for everyone around you so i just feel like i'm so sorry all the time 
I'm so sorry yeah. I was a part of I'm so part sorry it's my system that's doing that this is all so hard is it not like we're all part of this thing but I have a different role in it and I just can't apologize more for my part in it like I feel like I'd be doing that all the time yeah I think the phone call again is really interesting at the end of the episode where um you know she she's sort of like they're talking about the speech a little bit and that like she's like uh, and she is like apologizing and uh, she's like, been so hard on you. You've all sacrificed so much. And Margaret says like, you too. And she goes, oh, well, that's the job. And I'm just like, it's so funny that like, uh, yeah, that's like true. But also like none of them are willing to acknowledge that like, yeah, this is all just like incredibly, I guess, because like, yeah, if you acknowledge it, it's hard. It's like, what's the point, you know, uh, um, of, of a monarchy, um, which is something I feel like they, they ask pretty heavily in like previous seasons and not so much uh, in the season. It's like, yeah, this, this is just the monarchy. It's just a, it's definitely a thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I love that. I love the phone call at the end um, yeah. of them uh, commiserating, uh, you know, and, and it's funny that she like, Elizabeth almost has to like do something big enough. Like she almost has to like apologize to, and like acknowledge like in this speech on like television um, before then she can actually go and like apologize to Margaret. Like she needs to make a, such a grander gesture. Maybe that's just like the way it was written for TV versus um, how it actually happened. But yeah, just interesting. Yeah. But everything I know about Margaret would appreciate a grand gesture like that. And it's also the grand gesture that she's like always deserved for, for making this massive sacrifice. So yeah, I love that she does it that way. The speech is very much for Margaret, but then it kind of becomes for herself. Um, I think that like Margaret right. pushes her to be this more, you know, this this person who understands herself a little better, this freer person who's who can be a little more humble, who can apologize. And it is for Margaret, but then it becomes for her, as Philip says, it's for her peace of mind. And I think the fact that Margaret can push her to that is a good thing for the Queen. And the fact that Elizabeth cares enough about Margaret to make that jump, it's that relationship that I get, yeah, pushes her to be a, a better person, basically. And I think she comes around as well, because one of the things that was quite stark for me in their confrontation scene was that, like, Elizabeth is feeling very sorry for herself because it's been a horrible year and there was a fire and all the kids are getting divorced and everything's terrible. Mm -hmm. and, and she's self-pitying at that point because everything's been really bad. But I think when Margaret comes in and she's so angry, like, the part of you might think, like, maybe don't kick the queen while she's down right now. But really very little of me felt that because what I felt was at least you get to have a terrible year in the life you're meant to live. You right. married your person. You had kids who turned out to be, have their own issues. Yeah. But at least you get to deal with problems in the timeline you're meant to be in. For Margaret, it's like she doesn't even get to have a bad year in her right life because that life was taken from her. It's a, it's a well, bigger yeah. problem. She's not even on the path she's meant to be on because of what was done to her. And I think that by turning that around and realizing how much more wronged Margaret was, it shows like as much as she's been self-pitying, things are a lot better for Elizabeth. So then she turns all the way around to being like, well, that's the job as if like, you know, she, she can't feel sorry for herself, but I do. I think know. Yeah. We've talked about it. Like she gets blamed a lot. We, we sure. judge that a, a little more in the earlier seasons, when again, she feels more alone when she has less support, when she is just dealing with the complexities of the beginning of the job that are so hard. I think now maybe it's gotten to the point where she's spent so much time pent up in like the anger of how much is put on her that it's become too much. So now she kind of is turned around to being like, okay, it's also hard for the rest of the family. Let me acknowledge them. She takes it a little far to be like, well, that's the job. It's like, things are hard for you too, but it's great that you can acknowledge that it's difficult for everyone else and thank them and, and 
thank someone like Margaret in a public way when she has sacrificed as you all have for the system. Well, yeah. And she also, you know, she, um, well, she does say like, Oh, that's the job. Um, she also went like, Margaret's like, listen, nobody actually blames you. Like, um, she's but like, they have, Oh no, and they do. Every, she's like, everybody, sweet. Yeah. she's like, yeah. everybody <laughs> blames me. But she also yeah. says, but that's fair. Like she, yeah. she gets the most from the system, right? Like she, she does get blamed and like, being the monarch obviously comes with its own set of like challenges um, in terms yeah. of like having to be the person who has to like, you know, you like the reason she is the most like, you know, conform to the system is almost because she's the one who the most has, she has to um, uh, in a certain way um, that she has to conform the most and be this thing that we, you, you, you point out a lot that like the first two seasons are like her figuring it out. And by season like three and four, it's like, Oh, this is the queen. Like she's the queen. Uh, she's part, she's the crown. She's part of the system. Um, that that's how she reaps the most benefit from it. Right. Um, and then that's the job that you like, you get blamed for it. You, you're on top, right. The people want to knock the people off the top of the, uh, of, of the hill. Um, but yeah, this acknowledgement that like, uh, I, you know what the other piece I love in the fight, I love uh, in when she's, when, when Margaret is yelling at her, I really love the writing about how many days do you think you have bad days. And then you think, well, at least I have Philip, like at least I have him. Um, uh, Margaret saying like, I don't, I don't, I've never had that. It's like, it's so good. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, there's this moment in the episode when Elizabeth is writing, she writes the let, she writes the, the, the speech and the queen mother comes in and is like, no, you can't write this. Like they can't know that you're like depressed. Like you have to put human. you, yeah, you can't be human. You have to put forward this, like, you know, this, like you have to be this symbol essentially. You have to be like still. And it's Philip who comes in and goes like, no. Like, uh, like he's, she's like, what's the point? And he says like, so that she can express herself and have peace of mind. And in that moment, it's like Elizabeth can see that like, yeah, for all the faults there is with Philip, which also like none of the Philip stuff we talked about is happening. <laughs> We're like, yeah. oh, this is where the story is going. That has not happened at all. Um, uh, well, he we didn't see him in. for an episode, to be fair. And now we're that's back. True. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, Brief hiatus he, from the crown. So. But he, that's true. He comes in and he's like fully like defending Elizabeth. And she's like, oh yeah, I have, the, like, even if it's tough, I, I do have him. Um, and Margaret never got like Peter, who would have been like her Philip, right? Uh, so when she's yelling and being like, you know, how many times do you think, well, thank God I just have like, I have somebody, you know, I have him. I have, you know, I thought that was really good writing as well so good it wasn't just that as well i mean she, he comes and hugs her in the fire that's what i'm saying it's like as as much oh as yeah yeah situations can be hard like you have your person in this right you can help you through this life you can help you through the bad days and can you imagine how bad this year would have been if you hadn't had that support and from day one grace that's how i remember it too um day one philip was there yeah. and nothing was ever done wrong and they didn't have any growing pains in that day one of right. the season three is i think what they meant but they had to cut yes. out the part yes. about, about yes. season three um I, it's such a good point from from Margaret um, about how important having that person is and and what was taken from her and that. So yeah, I really love the writing in in all of these scenes between them. I, I guess one of the questions you would ask, and I want to ask, and that Margaret asks, is what is the difference with Anne? Because um, I've been thinking about this a lot. Because obviously it is. It's like she she remarks on how confrontingly similar the situations are with different outcomes. So I think for me, there are two really important parts to that. The first being it's, you know, almost 40 years later. Yes. It's, it's 1992. A, it's a, yeah. There are different priorities around what people care about. Like the main yep. things that were against Margaret in season one 
were the public perception was in favor of this relationship um you know margaret the the issue was in um church and government so if you yes. look at the church the priest's kids are getting divorced in and of itself yes um so yeah, yeah. so that's um, i love that i love that that just the, shows that then yeah. they're like this younger generation they make it a generational thing so you can't really you know those in glass glass churches can't throw stones yeah. around the fact that like this younger generation is getting divorced there's like this air of acceptance around the younger generation and the government like we haven't seen much of the prime minister we haven't seen really anything uh, like other than some brief glimpses since that first episode but it feels like the government may again like have different ideas around divorce 40 years later and they may no longer see the monarchy as this like symbol of morality they seem to be more irritated about what they're spending on taxpayer money like it's become more maybe of like a nuisance or more just like realistic about what this thing is rather than being like the arbiters of moral good so the church and the government i think are two major things but i think from a story perspective what's really important and why margaret frames this episode on divorce is that anne has a margaret like Anne had Margaret to pave the way. And when yes. she says fight for him, Anne has someone who tells her, don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Someone who, who who might have said, from my own experience, I would have given it all up. You should do that too if it comes to it. She has someone to guide her and who has broken through all of these barriers to get to that point. And Margaret didn't have that Margaret to do it. Then Anne's going to break through too. And now like Charles is the king yeah. and married to a divorced person. And he's divorced. So on we march, like only from the, from the people in front of us who break through kind of these like old school traditions, can we continue to progress? And I think what's so important in this and what I think was such an important line in the episode is seeing Margaret say to Anne, fight for him. And it's like, why, why is this different? Because Anne has you, you, as much as it might hurt, you even getting divorced in, in the, in the first place. And I think she was like the first person to get divorced in like, since like 1901 or something, Margaret was a, a senior Royal to do that you even doing that is what allows other people to follow in your footsteps and to have a freer pathway forward. Well, the other thing is that like, yeah, Margaret's the advocate, but also like, it is sad to think that like, like Margaret doesn't remarry ever. Like she doesn't, she like, the thing is, is that like, it's kind of, it, it's like, it's all the, the only person she actually wants to be with seemingly is Peter Townsend. And that's like not really possible at the end of, you know, he's, He's dying. Is die. he? Is he? His? Is he married at the end of? He's his married. Life? Yeah. He. 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 Mar yeah. He. So he's married his whole life. And I think as well with Margaret, it's not just that she doesn't remarry. So like the whole life is so tragic. It's not even like she ever had this other love. Like Tony, and her relationship was like actively terrible. I think yeah. I don't know if we spoke about this in the season three and four, even the season one and two podcasts. But like one of the things was that he would like leave her these abusive notes. Oh, um yeah. about how much he hates so and that one really stings for me because i had my, my grandparents would leave each other little love notes everywhere that was like this beautiful thing that they did oh. these little post-it notes about how much they loved each other and someone to, to turn that around and leave like he, he would leave like mean notes in her books about like why he hates her and insulting oh. her books like there, there were abusive elements to this very very toxic relationship so i think that's another thing with the fact that like it's not that it just didn't work out with peter she never got her son in water like she actually got stuff that like was a crop killer um right. and, and her life has, has really played out in such negative unfortunate ways probably a lot of like due to who margaret is in, in some ways but also due to the fact like you don't know how different someone would be if they like had that support rather mm -hmm. than a detractor yeah so yeah so peter is is married to this, yeah. this woman so you know it's the only she does she doesn't really want to seemingly want to marry anybody else so she she can't and so all she can do is like sort of you know when she's yelling again it's not like about it's just like Boy, it really sucks that like yeah, I I didn't get to marry, and that's all I want. You know, it's not like it's like okay, I can. She's she's single. She could go marry somebody else, right? But but um, she can't. And um, 
yeah, it's so sad. It's so it's so heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, the situation isn't that much. You know, it's I I love it's like again the fact that like Peter Morgan, the writer creator of the show, is just given such like perfect material sometimes the fact that it's like the situation is actually like almost identical uh other than like Anne is the one who is divorced isn't that Um, worse yeah right (laughs) yeah right um and then like you know the fact that it's like it's an equity who's like she wants to marry and like all this like it's so it's that's wild that it's that it's like it's that similar he'd be mad Um, how could you not be mad yeah yeah Yeah, so Anne wants to remarry after her her divorce. Uh, she's divorced. The other two children are going to come to mm. Elizabeth and be like, uh, "Please, I would like to remarry. I would like to divorce." Sorry, we're going to get Andrews first. Uh, so Andrews like her favorite son, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like this like scene where she's like, "I don't want to know," and he's like, "Okay," and then proceeds to tell her all the details, including that like uh, uh, Sarah wants to get her like feet, her toes sucked. I was just like. This is surreal watching. I know it's like fake as Queen Elizabeth, but like watching her react to uh, Sarah Ferguson having her like toes sucked was incredibly wild to me, Shannon. <laughs> well, it was. It, it's that kind of um, bewildered like humor for us that I I think we also get in the kids episode of season four, where I think right. the Queen is at her funniest again, where it's where she's reacting to these things that she just like she really can't handle. There was a, a couple of funny things in the Andrew scene. I thought she says. Um, you know, I've made some teas, like you might want something stronger. And in the next scene, she actually does have like an alcoholic drink. I thought that was like, she actually uh-huh. goes for it. it was quite funny. Um, I also think like, yeah, her connection with Andrew is clear. Um, he's, he's strangely sympathetic to to Sarah in this. Like it's quite a kind portrayal of like, yeah. how he might react to that. And he like takes on a lot of blame as well, even when like he seems to be like the injured party from an infidelity perspective. I also thought like it was very funny that the queen is like, even after like the the whole toe thing of it all, the queen is like, <laughs> but still not divorced. Like that that would be the I know. too far. Like that I would know. be too embarrassing on this. Like I think we're past that. I think we just move on now. Like, and she still tries to hold on. She asks every single one of them not yeah. to do what they're asking. Like she she <sighs> she will hold on to the bitter end. And for for Charles, she's not asking. You know, she's telling Charles because as we've said, like there's a different thing when you're the sovereign. And even though he and Diana are so far past it. There's been this book. There's so many things they've, they've had the worst marriage. As Charles said, he's like, I've tried for 11 years. I've tried nothing. And I'm all out of ideas. I really, <laughs> uh-huh. really tried at the honeymoon. It was already over, but yeah, even, even in, in like this clearly over situation, like she's still, she still is really trying to somehow get them to make it work. Uh, but not in a useful way, you know, like part of me, I do have sympathy for, for Elizabeth just as a parent to like basically know that like three out of four of your kids will are probably going to get a divorce or like they're they're like one of them is divorced. Two of them are talking about divorce uh, in a world where, you, yeah, divorce is worse than we, especially in this generation. But like probably even then, because it's the royals and it's the 90s and she's coming from the 50s. It's like worse than we can even comprehend to her. Yeah. So I'm about I'm I'm about to compare uh, Queen Elizabeth to my mother, Shannon. So just uh, be prepared. My mom <laughs> is a way? yeah. My mom is a principal. 
uh, a school principal and uh my my so i have like two brothers who like got into much more trouble than i did and one of them like very much so um and i remember my mom talking one time because there was this parent who came in and was like yeah but look at your like look at your kid like look at your kids as my mom is trying to like be a principal right and like the, mm. and, and and um cool. my mom's like the, my mom said to me i was like well you can't like you can't like you know at some point your children go on and live their own lives which is like that's for talking very much like philip who's like yeah now they're adults and they have to like they're on their own which is like not how it works right it's like uh it's not how it works but i remember my mom like i'm like yeah but can't you be proud of all the things that like we that your children have done like you can be proud of those things and she said how am i supposed to be proud of the things that you've done and not feel responsible for when your kids do something bad right like you can't like she's like how do you have it both ways like being proud that like feeling like yes i helped them accomplish that thing and then also not feeling guilty when they do like the wrong thing right this is like very and i like did not know how to answer my mom i don't think i'll ever be able to like answer my mom in that question but in this situation with like elizabeth i feel like both things that like uh i i you know i, I feel both empathy for her and think that she probably could have done more to like make sure her kids uh or mm. you know it's not even really like, you know, uh, it's not like they have done something, but they've just ended up in these marriages that they shouldn't have been a, a part of. Right. Well, uh, ended up is a strong word too, forced into up. in some regards by her. Well, certainly, certainly Charles. I don't know about, uh, but I think the interest that Andrew, again, it is a very sympathetic view of Andrew that he's like, well, it's kind of our fault, you know, like we knew what we were doing to her. Um, and this is very much, I think like, this feels like super foreshadowing for, for Diana, who is and uh, not, yeah, not super present in this, which is that they are, uh, we want these like fun, you know, out of the box people. And then we put them in the system and then we're like, oh, well, not now, not anymore. Like, calm, like you know, uh, you need to like conform to the system. So it feels very, I don't, I don't love that it's like, <laughs> they're like choosing Andrew to like be the like, some of the like best uh, other than Margaret to be like a voice of reason uh, uh, in the show. But I know that's, that's what they, that's yeah. what they did. Yeah, it was wild that they did choose Andrew to be to, to give like a, a truism. Like it, he's not yeah. going to be proven wrong in that. Like it flashes to Margaret, and he's right. Like that's right. the whole point is we like stamp out anyone with Spark, Margaret, Sarah, what will be Diana as well. Um, so I think that like the Queen, in terms of blaming the Queen for everything, she has a large part as they're showing in like each of these situations. Obviously, the Margaret thing speaks for itself. Then you, you get to, to all the marriages. She forced Charles to do this, and she has a lot to blame. I mean, at first she was like, maybe we shouldn't. She, at first we saw her being like, well, shouldn't he be with his son, Water and Camilla? And then was like pushed away from that in a way that she really strongly, like, again, like put him into the situation. So pretty clear what she did to Charles. It come, it becomes clear with Andrew in that the system will, will ruin anyone like this. And she is a system or like maybe even just her lapse of judgment. Oh, you really liked her too. So like there's some blame given there. I think with Anne, we see it less, but I think it's more just in the way that she has like parented Anne and came to her with the marriage problems in the episode from last season. And it seems that she's never really known how to deal with like Anne's strengths and difficulties and has maybe more, you know, had like a pleasant relationship with Anne, like this mother-daughter thing, but not been able to be there for her in a way like a mother should and guided her through the situation. So even more than just like, you know, parents maybe hold some responsibility in anything their kids do based on being parents. Like Elizabeth has, it would seem to varying degrees actual culpability in all of these situations but at that time is a godlike person who can't see where she's gone wrong and I think that that's why I love the evolution of this character so much in this episode and think it's so key because this is where I was expecting and hoping the character would go like she's this like a victim of the system seasons one to two 
is the system in seasons three to four. And we see they get really, really pushed to the point where like, she's very, very harsh and very much in the wrong. And I'm hoping that the season and where I think this episode pushed it is like, it's victim of the system. You are the system. And then it's like one with the system in ways that maybe a little bit more natural. I, I expected to, it to go in a softer direction. And I think that's where she goes by, you know, really seeing Margaret's point of view. And at that point, not even compromising, like, really acknowledging her in that moment and I hope that that's where it would go is like now she can back herself enough she's been in this role a lot longer to be like I can find like my pure humanity from the first two seasons there's the systems in season three and four and now I can kind of be one with the two and see how they kind of interact with each other I'm hoping that's where her character will go and I think that this episode make made strides for that yeah, I mean, I think uh, we we know some of the stuff that will happen that I think will like soften, like that should, that should, will happen, right? That that will uh, obviously Elizabeth is not going to say no to divorce <laughs> forever, right? Uh, <laughs> what do you think of the scene with Charles? It's like basically our first time seeing Charles in like two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominic West shows back up from whatever else he's filming, uh, and they have a scene in the stable, <laughs> and he calls his mom a bad mom. He's like, he's he good. actually says she should have been thrown in jail. If social services came to visit, they'd have thrown us into care and you into jail. Um, it's very interesting that he's talking about like, yeah, we've become we're, we're like super modern. The monarchy has become modern in a way that like never said that like we're we're just fostering and forcing unhappy marriages. <laughs> like it's like uh, uh, such a what a cynic uh, this Charles. Uh, I mean, obviously he's in an unhappy marriage and probably yeah should probably not be Diana's husband for very much longer. But it's also just like yelling at his mom, which is like right also. But then also it's like I don't know. Like, I'd be mad too. I, yeah. Like the fact that you put him in this situation, but he's been fighting back all season. Like, I think that that's been a big evolution from the way the character was portrayed beforehand. What really got me in this scene was how little everyone seems to care about what Diana actually said. They're right. all just like so right. mad about the book. Like that's the fallout yes. from the book. It's like, I've been humiliated. And he's like, people yes. are saying these lies against me. There's no part again to have that complexity and that nuance to be like, wow, you know, I, I feel like I was also pushed into this. I was in a bad situation, but you were really suffering. Like to hear the mother of your child say that she had like suicidal thoughts or even attempts while pregnant, you think you'd be like, let's step back and just see like how it got to this point. Like it's so far beyond like the the petty arguments, even, even, the, even the important arguments, like let's really look into this, but maybe it is the way you were brought up as an heir or a sovereign or, you know, like that there can be no wrongdoing. There can be no complexity. There can be no, hey, I also didn't want to be here but I probably took it too far let me look at that let me acknowledge it let me apologize for it like he can't do that um I think in a very similar way to Elizabeth and I would really like him to have a similar evolution into realizing like the power of an apology and the power of humility um but I do think yeah it's pretty concerning that not even just him no one seems to care about even the way that like Margaret talks about Diana and Diana should be in a similar mold of someone with a spark who's been stamped out but no like Margaret's even been always, it seems like, jealous of Diana. No one is thinking, wow, the system really got this girl. Like, let's all, like, look at our part in that. Like, this is a terrible thing. Everyone's just so mad at her as a villain for exposing any part of that or, yeah, being a part of this process rather than looking at, like, have we really gone too far? Like, this seems like maybe one of the worst things we've ever done. Well, the thing I think that is so frustrating, we've talked a lot about how, like, it's so annoying that Elizabeth can't, like, Inter- like connect with Charles in any way or like help him along in terms of like mm-hmm. what's it like to be the heir and then like you'll watch like Charles he's just like he's taking all of his anger about everything and he just puts it on Diana and it's like no there's actually like another person who like you know the two of you you know even if you're not like in love with her and you don't want to be married you want to divorce her like you still 
like she's not actively like wronging you i, I mean you know in a way he, they think that like you know this whole thing is like why why is elizabeth worried about divorce like yes there's like the certainly she is religious and and it's a religious you know thing that you can't get divorced but you have to assume that they're also just worried about like any any reputational hit to the church uh, sorry the, the 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 monarchy being legitimate and valid and you know why is it a thing that you know we've seen in previous episodes talking about like you know uh, abolish the monarchy so you know they're, they're worried about just the reputation as they're like needing money right like literally after the fire uh the, she's watching tv and they, they do play this thing of like uh and many think that the crown should pay for the you know the the, the renovations to fix cast like windsor castle themselves it should not be on the taxpayer and there's a thing where they say they can't have it both ways they can't be they can't expect taxpayer money and also not be taxpayers um so even within all of this stuff they're still like very much like you know we're still talking about like what is the place of the crown in like british society even if they don't often like as mike bloom was talking about we don't often see how like the crown affects people other than sporadic episodes um like the general public versus royals um and and so yeah charles is just taking out all of his hatred on diana because he thinks that she's like whatever he thinks about her that she's like a, a bit of a brat but also that like she's ruining his reputation right like that's the thing when he wanted to to like you know the queen to abdicate and for him to take over he's like yeah i'm fresh and modern but also like that's Diana, right? Like that's the but also mm. like, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's very frustrating that like they all just are mad and angry, you know. You know. Yeah. yeah. But I think we see from the Queen like how much she's lost herself in the system because when Margaret came to her with Peter Townsend originally, like there was that innate Claire Foy portrayed kindness where like her priority was Margaret. Like she yeah. wanted she wanted it to be okay. She kind of did what she could at the time and it seemed to pain her then and she's like papered over it again with this like kind of judgment since to become the system and it's been a while since we've really seen that compassion handed out even in situations that are impossible for her um little bits of her kind of coming to Charles and saying like a beautiful pregnant wife is upstairs and like you know you're burying yourself in all this other stuff and you're ignoring her but even that seems like she wants to be more critical of Charles and really sympathetic for Diana she doesn't like follow that in that episode by then going to see Diana and offering support. She has had no care for what Diana's gone through. She And she ha seems to have very little care about what any of her children are going through in this episode. It's more like how will it affect the system? How will it affect the crown? Because that's really what she has become at this point. And that's why I like the growth to where she's getting to, which can try and balance those things, like with the strength that she's gained, but with the humanity that it seems she's kind of lost. And I, and I hope those two things are put together because the more I watch this season and even the, the whole series, it, it really feels to me like as hard a system as being a monarch is and as difficult parts of that are, it feels like, you know, it could have been handled in ways that are so much better. Like we've already touched on things, like as we're saying, say sorry all the time just like yeah. realize the nuance of things have a ton of therapy to get through this like extremely difficult thing they should all just be in like immense therapy and mm -hmm. as we've said help each other through it if there had been acknowledgement and transparency from the beginning of like hey we're in this system and maybe it is the fault of someone like the queen mother who would never ever look at it in this complex way and is looking at it like in absolutes and these like really negative absolutes but if they'd all been able to look at each other and be like hey we were put into the situation say when edward abdicated here's where we're at we are going to 
get through this like the, again I'm looking at it from a 2022 lens not like 80 years ago but like we're gonna get through this with like mental health help we're gonna help each other through it yeah. we're always gonna be like honest and transparent with where we're at like we're going to take this really really hard thing where we're not gonna be able to do everything right because it's physically impossible but we're mm-hmm. gonna make mistakes but we're gonna hurt each other and we're going to at least be each other's allies in this we're going to at least be a little honest and truthful and helpful around the fact that it's hard and it's complicated and we're just going to like hold each other's hands through this. And maybe that's a 2022 lens, but I don't even think that that's what they're doing now. It, it seems no. in like what the Royal family is. So that's the way to Charles handle is not, the situation. Charles it, is not having this combo yeah. with Will and, and Harry. I, and know? I wish yeah. that was the thing. Like we, we wish that the queen did that with Charles yeah. and we wish that Charles did that with Diana. We wish that all of them, I mean, it's ironically, Margaret's the one that's been doing that for seasons now because she yes. was so much the victim of it. She's the one who said, this is going to ruin Charles. She was the voice of reason. She's the one who, again, in a more privileged position of not being the sovereign, but like as their aunt can go and, and give that good advice and actually care about their happiness and seem like a real and true ally in a way that very few other people do in the crown. And that's why I think I appreciate her so much in that role. I think that's the best of Margaret. And that's why I also really like this kind of tribute to what she's been through and how that kind of turned her into this person when that's not often the kind of person that the system creates. Agreed. It's, it it, it does feel like uh, the the second child, the, the, this uh, the second son uh, reputation of this. You know, the last few ones has been much better than like the typical second uh, child, which is Margaret is like super short, and then Harry's like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually leave. I'm gonna fully yeah. get out. Yeah, hmm. la- see you later. Um, yeah, which is yeah, very interesting. Uh, I mean, this episode is also you know in addition to her children all wanting to get a divorce uh also uh windsor castle also uh burns down which again feels like just incredibly you know like peter morgan being like i'm gonna map out this season he's like oh yeah the castle literally burns down. i yeah. think what does margaret even say what what the great metaphor <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and it feels like it ha- like it had to have been it is it's really crazy that that happened amidst all of this for real yeah and i like it uh they i think they use it well right in the sense that like i do really like like philip coming in and hugging uh and hugging elizabeth so then she can like then have the moment of like thinking about what margaret is saying to her that like you know you have philip and she really does like twice in this episode um uh you know her just sort of like sitting and and margaret coming in and i love that they use it as the like yeah the whodunit like margaret being the you know uh, the the detective of like who could it have been who burned you know was it an accident i really loved I, i love that they also as i mentioned before like the tv commentary of like like basically them being like, well, oh no, like these rich people had their castle burned down. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, but I, I, it is sad. Um, and and I really like that they use it with Margaret and Peter. They talk about he's like the Crimson Room didn't like burn down, did it? And she's like, yeah, it did. So like they apparently like spent a whole day as like all the staff left and they weren't supposed to be in there, but they like spent a whole day in the Crimson Room and now it's gone. So I thought that the like burning of Windsor Castle was like used really effectively in multiple ways um, in the episode. I thought it was shot really beautifully when she's in that room that's burned down. I think that it's one of the things where you think they had to have made a TV show about this family. Like when you're looking at things like, Hey, do you know there was a year where the queen's whole life was on fire and also so was her castle? Yeah. Like how could you not, (laughs) you know, like as a narrative tool, again, you couldn't even write this stuff and it's true. Yeah, um, it's like uh, it was like her main uh, residence uh, for the last she like, eleven yeah. eleven years of her life. Yeah, yeah it's like beautiful. Um, yeah, it'd be very expensive to fix. It's like wild how big the fire was. Like I didn't I, I imagine it to be that that huge. Yeah, 
I also thought from this episode, I really liked the way that they used the flashbacks. I mean, everything Agreed. with Margaret and Peter was so romantic. So I think like looking back in the way with the old cast and seeing some of those scenes was incredibly beautiful. And that's why like, that's why the queen was irritating me so on early when she was like, well, he's married now. I'm like, can't a woman just like have a last moment with her like dying great love, you know? like And that's all it was as well. Like, I, there, I mean, again, there was a kiss, but it was like mostly this kind of like, pure remembrance of yeah. this really important thing it's not like he's like ah we're gonna like get going now like the man is dying like it was extremely beautiful and poignant uh, and i also think it really to me made the best use of like how important the cast changes are because it's not like if we right. just like aged up the actors like maybe it wouldn't have the same effect as like i understood like, yeah. these characters mm-hmm. more in context of being like vanessa kirby is there and like this is her 40 years on and it really connected me to this new casting really, really well. And we've said that like, it's really important to do that early on when we're getting to the characters. I'm really seeing the evolution of Elizabeth and I in a way think that has been great. I understand Margaret more and like, she's looking back and I'm looking back and I understand her kind of like in the context of where she's come to. And I think all the actors were amazing in this. Like I really bought it from all of them. I think that, that Anne is phenomenal and like really captures like, again, that kind of like hard strength that Anne has always had. I think that, yeah, the whole cast in this were really really good and it's probably the the earliest i've really connected with new actors in this role and really understood it and felt it with those like when we're talking about like big generational divides right like it's like that's the important thing like why is it different for Anne? because you were two actors ago when you were doing it that's how far back it was like we understand how much time has passed and how relevant that is to the story so it made the casting changes feel like really understandable and i connected with it personally is there anybody so we've seen claire foy we've saw like edward and we've seen uh uh vanessa kirby uh, is there anybody else you like you want matt a flashback smith, every of it? day i know i know the matt smith like philip flashback is probably i would you know, love high that. on the list yeah have we ever seen matt smith in a flashback since I don't think so. I think some, I of, the, some of the people are too big of names. I think like I don't know if we're getting Olivia Coleman or Matt Smith for like AC. I mean, Claire Foy. It's not what like you mean too like... big of names? They were on the Crown. Like, are they too big for the Crown now? Maybe. Maybe is a lot bigger, right? Yeah, I think so. Like Claire Foy is definitely in stuff, but not to the level that like I think both Olivia Coleman and Matt Smith are. Yeah. I think you could get a Tobias Menzies. Uh... <laughs> well, I don't really need to see the people I just saw in seasons three and four. Like, I, I kind of watched it in a binge, but like. I would love Claire Foy and Matt Smith together. Together, yeah, that would be good. My request, yeah. Yes. I just think they probably have two busy filming schedules to show up, but well, I would like that it seems as like well. Their problem, yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely. A, we yeah. need a flashback. We need to understand the evolution of these characters. So, yeah, and also I just really want to see them. That's basically yeah. it. Um, did we miss anything? It seems it's uh, do, you know what? I'm gonna clock a writing uh thing this episode when she's like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's something about rum. And then she's like, you need to drink like a pirate. And then she's like, no, it's my dog. She doesn't know her <laughs> sister's dog's name. Come on. She knows maybe her sister's she dog name. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe it's just that Elizabeth is so judgmental. Like, that's maybe. like, that's the way that maybe, like, that's the dynamic she's always but- <laughs> had. Like, that must be frustrating for Margaret. Like, Margaret can do no right. Well, and he was like, wow, you're drinking that. It's like, no, it's my dog, rum. Why are you also- always judged to judging me? Like, you rush to it. But also, do you name your dog rum if you don't like rum? Yeah, right? like true. obviously Margaret, like obviously Margaret <laughs> likes rum, and so then. <laughs> like, you think I would drink drinking... rum? Yeah, no, I would no. only name my dog after it. That's how important it is to me. But I wouldn't drink it. But like, yeah, I do have you. a dog named after this drink. But then so does the queen. So like, um, why you think like the dog? The, the queen is also naming her dogs after Brandy and Sherry. Beverages. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cute names. They're all they pretty cute names. names. If you had yeah. to name your, I don't know if you're a drinker, Shannon. I'm not. Name, 
Yeah, if you had to name your, you could just it could be any beverage. What would you? Uh, tea. I love tea. tea. <laughs> Full tea. Yeah. Full tea. Little tea yeah. the dog. I think it, I guess like uh, I don't really drink them, but it'd be fun. I think it'd just be funny to have a dog named Shirley Temple. It'd be funny. Yes. Well, yeah. they, I mean, they can't with the queen because that was Edward's insult for her. That's so. right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so that would be, that would be really be reclaiming the the title though in the way that he used to insult her. But I mean, it was it was really such a sweet phone call. I think that that was really yeah. one of the great scenes for for Margaret and Elizabeth because th- th- there's been like such a nice fondness in the last Hello, several seasons yeah exactly <laughs> like, i love it it is a fondness yeah. but the thing is it's it is complicated and when they can confront issues for real it makes it more meaningful and then they kind of like yeah have like the sweet joking moments like the familiarity yeah. and like the genuine affection when it's like there's this, this undercurrent of like actual meaning and they can actually say what they think and actually talk about things rather than having these resentments that clearly Margaret has carried around rightfully for 40 years when they can actually talk about it, it can only make their relationship better. So I think this whole episode was really just, it highlights like, yeah, the importance of transparency and humility and apologizing because I'm, I'm very pro apologizing something my husband taught me and I, mm-hmm. that I never used to do, you know, like I'm quite a stubborn person and I used to like never apologize. And now I'm like, apologizing is the best. Imagine feeling yeah. bad about something and you actually know you've done something wrong and it, you actually have the power to make it better. Like you can make yeah. yourself feel better right now and the other person feel better if you've done something wrong by apologizing. It's just like really powerful and freeing thing to do. And I feel like Elizabeth learned it here at her big age, which is fine because again, she's been given this like godlike complex and I think it'll only make her a better person. So I'm really excited to see what they do with Elizabeth as a character going forward from here and how they'll kind of bring it bring it forward from these new learnings that she's had. Um, the only thing with the market line, and I get that like, there's, you know, there probably isn't a reason to do this, um, but she does have like two children. Uh, she never have... told, I actually Googled her children last night because I was yeah. like, who are Margaret's children? Like we never yeah. see or hear about them. Yeah. Uh, David, uh, David Armstrong Jones and, and Sarah Chato. Yeah. She has a boy um, and a girl. Yeah. And, so it's a bit yeah. strange that they're like, not like, they're not, like, I don't know. I just, they thought it would like, cause like the story is that like, she's unhappy. Right. And so like, you know, but I, I think a bad parent, that's another thing she and Elizabeth connect over. <laughs> yeah, I don't even enough. want this life. And it gives her like, Hey, like yeah. everything is wrong. I reject everything that has happened to me since Peter yeah. left. And she has like literal two children that she created. Even to mention them, you know, because I do think like, I do, I do think that in this episode, some of the stuff I do like is the complexity of um, sort of, you know, the, like the fact that they they do open up and then also they're like so embarrassed about opening up to each mm. other, right? Like saying I love you. Um, that like they're all still like kind of part of the like the, you know, they're never they're not like the monarchy is gonna like completely change overnight. You know, they're all like sort of a little bit like mm. stuck. They're all like they've been doing this for so long of like not being emotionally vulnerable. <laughs> like it's not gonna change overnight. And so the complexity of like yeah, Margaret being like, you know, so upset that she never got to marry Peter you know, it would be a little bit complex that like she has these, you know, two children with like her ex-husband, but like, would it be for Margaret? Like, I feel like I don't want to defame Margaret as a mother, but like everything I know about both Margaret and the Royals would be like, is that something that Margaret would really hold on to? Like, is that how the Royals parent? Wouldn't Margaret care more about like this love and experience? Like I love Margaret as I've, as I've said through, you know, this podcast, she's a very complex character. Um, she's done a lot. She's made a lot of sacrifices, but she's a very, very self-interested person in a way that I don't yeah. think would like necessarily flow with like being this like very selfless parent that would be thinking of that above all else. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about, I don't know like, about David her. or yeah. Sarah at We've all. Never been shown them. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. They, that's they kind of funny. Into, we, yeah, the story. Too many actors to pay, and we're going to try to get Matt Smith back. We can't have like every member <laughs> of the royal family on uh, the show. Uh, he did. Uh, David Armstrong Jones did divorce his wife in 2020. So yeah, and I also know. was like, are Margaret's kids divorced? That was something. Are I they both divorced? Is Sarah Chad no, divorced? No, she's not. She's she's still, still not. together. But yeah, yeah. They have two sons. Uh, okay. Uh, is is that uh, Anus Horribilis? Is that is that the episode? Anything else? Did we miss anything? I think that was pretty much it. I mean, I I just loved it. I I think that if we can come in and yeah. talk about like character evolutions like that and like get a focus back on the crown as much as i really did enjoy mumu it's a it's a very different thing it's, it's yeah. as if we came and just basically did like your movie podcast and we're like let's talk about this other external film whereas like to talk about like a serialized tv show which is what we're here to do we can talk about how characters are evolving and progressing and written and that's really what i enjoy so i really loved it i, I cried multiple times as i said yeah. the dancing i cried and yeah when they dance so they're tragic. like really kind of drunk and they're dancing it's like oh, yeah. they're like making tragedy. eyes yeah oh the I music we don't talk about yeah. the music but they play that they play stardust great, yeah. a few times in the episode and it was great it's so cute they, and they, i like i like the like uh a song that's like sort of like thematically important at the end of the episode you could hear the whole mm. thing we never talked about one that i uh i want to talk about do you, ever, do you know the song at the I can't remember it off the top of my head, but the one that is at the end of the Welsh, uh, uh, Charles learning Welsh, uh, something Carlo. Do you remember this one? That's my favorite okay. song ending. What, the Welsh tune? No. Okay. All right. Maybe. No, doesn't Maybe. Matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, no, it's <laughs> not memorable enough. Nope. Uh, all right. I also, uh, you said all, earlier, I also wanted to say, you said they should go to therapy. And Elizabeth does talk to a priest about. <laughs> that is not. That is not. That is not. Oh my god! No, that's actually like. That's that's it, really that's um, uh, you know, Windsor therapy right there. Yeah, it's funny that therapy. you say that because it's so specific, but it is a low-level pet peeve of mine when people seek out like religious representatives <laughs> to have like medical care, which is like uh -huh. something I've seen. Like I know that's so specific, but like it's actually something that annoys me. And like, look, the, the therapist as well. He can't give her much other than like, maybe it'll be okay, and we'll pray. But and he does give her like he frees her by being like my kids are even divorced, divorced. and she's like yeah. all right well so that's you that's not awful right like we're just gonna keep going with that if you're looking for a healthcare provider Diana has a whole list of <laughs> yeah exactly I'm gonna have my kids also, probably those ones as well they're but also her friends. A real doctor <laughs> yeah no not not the case uh, I want to see degrees on walls for whoever okay. they're talking to about their biggest issues physical or mental okay uh okay i think that's episode four uh back in a few days time episode five the way ahead uh shannon and i've heard some rumblings that it's a good it's a it's a really good episode that's what i've heard so uh right. excited yep to chat about that uh in the meantime where can people find you what are you up to i'm at shannon gates and twitter still lives even after yeah. last, last episode funny twitter's gonna be twitter's like a cockroach it's gonna be there when we're all gone i believe that to be true i don't know what state it'll be in but um, it'll be there. So yeah, I'm just talking about Survivor every week at Shannon Gates. You can find all my content. Thank you for anyone who's checking this out. Yeah, um, yeah. We any sub subscriptions? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, you could yeah you could subscribe to the feed uh, pushyourgifts.com/slash/thecrown and rate and review it would be much appreciated. It'll help us bump up the charts and people will find us. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Hate to go rogue and do this after I've plugged stuff, but I did. I actually thinking about this now, and I want to ask: Did you miss Diana? Because like all of this is being done without Diana and she isn't she's like kind of the protagonist of the season. We did we obviously got a big Diana episode two episodes ago when no one else was there, but she's not in the episode at all. It's kind of a bold choice. 
Yes, especially one so much about divorce, like you would presume that it's like uh, it's setting up, uh, you know, a divorce uh, that potentially may come. Uh, the thing, Shannon, I say this sometimes when when I do a podcast where it's like a binge show where people are clearly binging it, but like hmm. th- whoever I'm podcasting it with were the only people who are like, all right, better. No, Netflix, I do not want to watch the next episode. Mm-hmm. I actually need to uh, go and podcast about it um, mm. that like you you get Diana like probably five minutes from now and no, the episode. Yeah. so maybe it's well, that's why a, i was thinking a, it yeah. yeah on a full binge I, pr- I think probably like it it probably this might work actually if what next episode i presume is a little bit of like charles is actually gonna come back and actually be like i actually think divorce needs to be on the yeah the table or like he's gonna come back and be like mom said i couldn't get a divorce he's gonna be, <laughs> he's gonna be all mad but Diana, not allowed to yeah. did you like that andrew call keeps calling uh her mummy they uh, both do did they both? Yeah, yeah I guess they both. Yeah, do. and I think I think they all do. Mummy. Um, yeah, yeah. mummy. Oh, we really should be doing British accents. I feel like that. Sorry. It's like people will yeah. hate that. Um, well, no, I was. That's yeah. why I literally thought about now because I was just thinking it's it's kind of interesting that after four episodes, there's only like really it was just a premiere. Like we set it all up, and we have had like kind of these really notable omissions in every in every episode since again that varying degrees of that in terms of like last episode was basically everyone or you know just basically glimpses of them but I think it probably does work because I I imagine so much of the rest of the season is Diana focused I do imagine you know we're going to get a lot of that pretty soon and I do think it was interesting to because the, the Margaret and, and Elizabeth dynamic is so interesting so like let's highlight that like still the specter of Diana is very much there they talk about it but without having to like focus let's talk about these relationships with her children their own kind of personal struggles and focus it on elizabeth and margaret and even philip and that so i think in doing that it worked and they didn't try to like overstuff it just to get diana in there just because she is diana and this is season five of the crown yeah yeah um i know i feel like from like preseason stuff i saw that like photos and like media photo like like you know, yeah it'll be the pictures there's like a lot of diana stuff that like has not I'm sure come up in terms of like memorable diana yeah um, moments like the revenge dress and all like all of this stuff mm. is like so like been out there's like stuff that's happening and has not come up yet um so i imagine this uh will be a back heavy uh diana season so i think it's i agree yeah okay I, it has been interesting to me sort of like how i i don't maybe i'm misremembering it because i watch i rewatched everything in binges but it really does feel like in epi- like in some of these episodes where it's so specifically about certain people that everybody else is like gone. Like, ch- like it feels so weird that there's been this little Charles through mm. like f- he's basically in episode one and, and one scene in episode four. And that's it. And that feels much different than like even yeah, in the, like, the ensemble nature that we've had before. And e- yeah, even in character spotlight episodes, it's still like, oh, how does it like, you know, you still get like the like here's the Margaret scene with Elizabeth where she's going to like, you know, I remember like, you know, the scene where like Margaret Ann and like Elizabeth are having dinner. I think it's, I think it's the scene where she, I don't, anyway, like they're still there, but, it, but in the, this season, it feels like they've really like, it's almost like people are getting full days off. Yeah. Don't come to set. Cause this is a Philip episode. So we only need yeah. Philip, Diana and Elizabeth. That's it. Yeah. That's all we need. Yeah. And, and so. this is the Elizabeth and Margaret episode. I, I think it worked best here. Like I saw some comments online. Again, every time I say comments online, I scroll the one episodic Reddit thread per episode when I watch. And I think people were like, well, this was such a big year. I thought we might get more for that. We might do it in two episodes and see kind of how it was evolving. Maybe public perception to things that were happening. I thought this episode 
like structurally worked very well. Like again, because it reminded me of her talking to her kids in the last season, like, you know, you're going to get like, this bomb's going to get dropped and this next child's coming in to talk about divorce. And like, you have that structure as framed with Margaret. Like I thought it was really beautifully told. They had, it seems a lot of intention. They had like the clear metaphor on the fire and they knew exactly how they wanted it to go. And we really get like some really strong character arcs that come all the way around, like especially with Elizabeth and her relationship with Margaret and how it happened. So I thought it was, yeah, pretty wonderfully told. Um, and I yeah, don't have a lot of criticisms. Like I, I I think had we put Charles in other places, it would have kind of just blurred the point a little bit. Like he comes in, he has a really strong scene. He says she's a terrible mother. Like they like like it's a meaningful scene. I kind of feel like this whole episode was like all killer, no filler. Mm-hmm. Everything was just like bam, and it was impossible to to kind of look away. So I, one of my like, the more I talk about it, like it was really one of my favorite written episodes of The Crown in quite a while. So what a fun time! Yeah. I really love this episode. I like that we were like in the plugs and we got we go back to the episode because yes, that's so sorry. Show's so good. No, no, don't be yeah. sorry. It's good. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, but the plugs. I'm on Twitter at Hi From Grace. I'm also covering another Netflix show, 1899, which has been so tremendously good. Rich Aaron and I are chatting about it. Josh and AJ will have a full season uh, recap binge coming out uh, this week. So check that out. And I think that's kind of it. Roll call over on uh, Rob as a podcast. We're playing uh, board games every month. We have, uh, uh, we should, uh, by the time you've heard this, there should be a special little treat that we aired earlier this week and then an announcement for what we're doing. And actually, actually, we'll, it'll have been announced uh, by the time this episode comes out. So we're playing Spyfall, a um, little uh, social party game uh, where someone is a spy each round. We have to figure out who it is. It's very fun. Um, and also, Post Show Recaps Theater. Uh, this week, we are covering. Um, she said the like Harvey Weinstein uh, uh, mm-hmm. movie, although it's not about Harvey Weinstein. I'll, I'll say that it's about the investigators and the women who came forward. And then uh, the Fablements, this new Steven Spielberg autobiographical movie. So a big week over on Post Recaps Theater. I'm on Twitter at Hi From Grace. Shannon will be back in a few days' time with episode five, with perhaps a special guest joining us. So that will be uh, exciting. Um, until then, bye bye.